If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Alyssa Explains It All. Today, we have a really exciting guest. Her name is Jackie. She goes by Sex Therapist Jackie on Instagram. So we're going to be talking sex therapy today. And this episode was awesome. I felt like I was taking mental notes about everything she was saying. We talked about finding your confidence in the bedroom and kind of going from shame to neutrality to feeling like you got this. And so she has some really great suggestions. Um, and I'm actually, I'm sitting here with a future podcast guest I'm really excited about. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. Uh, it's John Franklin from season four of The Circle. Ah, from Netflix's season four of The Circle yeah, on Netflix. Yeah, you might have heard of it. I have, actually, once or twice. I heard it was a big flop of a season. Wow. I'm kidding. <laughs> of course, because I was on it. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, and John and I are both big big fans of therapy, so I think you'll like this episode, too. Okay, I'm excited. Yeah, cool. All right, well, I hope you enjoy the episode. Make sure that you continue to send us questions into the inbox. It's Alyssa Explains It All Pod at gmail.com. So whenever we have amazing experts like Jackie on, we can continue to ask the questions that you want answers to. And without further ado, I hope you enjoy Sex Therapist Jackie. Hello, Jackie. Oh my gosh, what are we sipping on today? We are sipping on a homemade, what did I make? Latte with <laughs> some peppermint, very Christmassy in my Jonathan Van Ness oh, beautiful mug. It. Jonathan Van Ness is the best. I also had a stress dream once about quitting a full-time job where Jonathan Van Ness bullied me into doing it. Oh, I believe that. He wants what's best for all of us. 
So I feel like he would do it. He'd be like, you're not happy there? Get out. Yep. He'd be that like cheerleader to be like, okay, honey, let's go and let's go look at some other jobs now because you are better than this. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm so happy to have you today. I'm so grateful for your time. You are a sex therapist. I love all of the content that you make. It's so cute and so much fun. And I don't even remember, did I find you through Sexual Health Alliance? No, you found me through Instagram. I did? Yeah, okay. <laughs> right around the time that you were done with the circle and I was like, oh my God, what? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm so glad that we were able to connect because it, we always need more people like us in this space. I mean, you're a full mm-hmm. therapist and I'm just here trying to spread the message, spread the good word, if you will. I'm a missionary, so to speak, and you're doing the real hard work. So I appreciate your time today. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for having me here. I was so excited. I love doing podcasts. They're like my jam. So I'm glad that we were able to do this and make time and do this before 2023. Yes, me too. <laughs> One of the things that I love the most about your content is you talk a lot about like releasing shame and about you have like a really fun sort of like fuck the shame attitude, which <laughs> I yep. love. It's, it's such like an empowering way to talk about sexuality and I just like I love it all and it brings up like a whole conversation of there's this whole almost like pathway of shame to like neutrality to confidence Mm -hmm. I love that like you bring that conversation into your socials I guess I actually am most curious to know how did you end up in the sex therapy realm because I think that alone takes a lot of confidence and like releasing your own shame to get into that industry Hell yeah. So we're going to go on a little tangent here. Story time. (laughs) Um, I'm here for it. But so essentially I grew up. So my, to take it back to my family history, my family tree, for instance, my Mm -hmm. mom, she grew up, she is one of eight children, has seven brothers. Her parents were Holocaust survivors, came over from Poland. They were in a work camp there. So a lot of their Polish Catholic traditions came over. Mm -hmm. So I grew up doing Polish dance. I grew up kind of speaking a little bit of Polish language. Like I would have the delay of like, I can't respond back and hold a conversation, but I know Mm -hmm. some stuff and some different types of Polish traditions overall. So there was a lot of gender norms and roles being the only girl, my mom, like with her seven brothers, she had to be a second mother to them. And then the dad side, my dad's side of the family, he has five sisters, mm-hmm. no brothers. So it's complete opposite. Wow. And then his dad was a chef in the army. And then his parents had really split like egalitarian tasks of the household. So mm-hmm. it wasn't just like one person does the outside chores. One person does the inside chores. There was more balance with it. And they weren't really religious or anything like that. They were more spiritual, I would say, than anything else. And they essentially like, you know, do good on others, good will come back to you, you know, be mm-hmm. generous with, with time, money, energy, different kinds of things. And essentially like, don't be an asshole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And one, um, one day, and I was a teenager at this point in time. And one day we were having like Sunday family dinner. It was me, my mom, my dad, and my brother. I've got one older brother, Joey. Um, and my mom's like, Jackie, you go do the dishes. And I'm like, why the hell do I have to do the dishes? Like, why can't Joey do the dishes? Mm-hmm. Well, because you're a girl. Um, and my dad stops like eating his bowl of cereal or dessert or whatever it was, drops this when he's like, no, we're not doing this. Like, Joey, you do the dishes. Jackie, you come outside. I'm going to show you how to check and put oil in your car if you need to. And so he's like, we're not doing that. We want things. Yeah, I want things to be balanced in this family. And so I really got into sex therapy for the gender pieces of it because I'm wow. like, fuck gender norms, fuck scripts, fuck all this shit, right? So I'm really grateful that I get to work with a lot of trans and gender expansive folks in gender affirming care and that they trust me to do that work with mm-hmm. them. And then throughout college um, in my undergrad, 
I was in a sorority, like what up Delta Zetas out there? There's no <laughs> in. Um, and a lot of my sorority sisters were like, Jackie, you're so confident and like chill about like talking about sex. Like you just naturally do it. Like you should go on and be a sex therapist. And I was like, nah, that's not a thing. What are you talking about? No, there's nothing like that. <laughs> and so really I'm like meditating at um, my Babcha's lake home at that time. That's grandma in Polish. And I'm sitting out on the dock. And I have like this epiphany of like, holy fucking shit. A, were people being serious? And B, like, is this something that I'm truly meant for and like destined for in this world? And so then I texted a bunch of my friends because I got into grad school on a whim. I basically <laughs> applied, stopped applying. And then I was like, I want to work um, at the internship that I'm at, which you can't do that with an undergrad degree in psychology, essentially. Mm -hmm. So basically they were like, yeah, you have to go on for this and do this because if you don't do it, you're going to regret it. And so at that point in time, I had to work on my own shame. And I was wondering, well, where did those narratives come from? And really it came from a lot of my Catholic upbringing of like, mm -hmm. we don't necessarily talk about sex. We don't um, discuss it. When I was going through my confirmation and everything like that, the person that came in to give us a sex talk was someone that was crying about having an abortion and then telling us everything that happened oh, kind of like a scare God. yeah so there's a lot of different things within that where I had to work on my own shame to then be confident to put myself out there to be a sex therapist and there's like you said there's a lot of things that go with it overall and that's why I named my business shameless therapy and consulting services because I'm like fuck the shame fuck this and we need to talk about this more and more and more in our field and I think when we talk about sex we automatically want to jump to confidence if we have shame it's like the got milk question mark like got shame question mark mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> we gotta yeah. work backwards in order to move forwards we gotta unpack some of the shame in order to get to that really confident sexy person that we really want to show up and be as yeah that is amazing i relate a bit to the like catholic upbringing especially in an immigrant household my parents are the first generation born here and both grew up in roman catholic households and so like my my mom my parents didn't have sex talks they mm -hmm. absolutely didn't learn anything about that and they they really tried with us but they didn't have the tools and so what you're left with are these like weird examples like for instance the um woman who was crying about the abortion i had i remember in during ccd which is like sunday school yeah yeah they did this this exercise with us which i'm sure you've heard of or experienced yourself the tape one horrible basically for anyone who doesn't know what this is it's when they take a piece of tape and they stick it on someone's arm and then they remove it and then they stick it on someone else and they keep doing that until it like basically has no adhesive left. And the analogy is like, if you don't save yourself for marriage, you're a used piece of tape by the time you have sex with your husband. Like that's everyone's goal. Like that's everyone's life goal. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate because those things really stick with us and then we have to put in the work afterwards to unravel it all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's wild. So wild. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's great that you're you've made your business about unraveling the shame and building confidence, knowing that you've also experienced it. Like you're not coming from a place of like, you know, you you were born into this role. And I don't think any of us really were. Mm -hmm. I think we all had to unravel something along the way, you know. So now that you've kind of reached this place where you've embraced your confidence and have given people tools how to, uh, like on how to unravel their own shame, which we'll get into. What does confidence in your sexuality look like? And how do you know if you don't have 
that confidence? Yeah. So I'm going to answer the last question first, how you know that you don't have that confidence. You might be experiencing anxiety or depression to the point of where it gets in the way, your mental health gets in the way of you progressing with your sexual health. Be Mm -hmm. it like, I'm so anxious and nervous because I was told masturbation was bad from a young age. Be it, I'm not comfortable to be naked in the shower with my own body. Mm -hmm. Be it, oh, I'm so depressed because maybe I feel worthless. Maybe I'm in a relationship, but I know my sexual libido isn't where I want it to be at. So I feel frustrated and I'm stuck in a rut. So there could be some mental health that gets in the way of physical health. some potential symptoms and signs that could come up there as well as medical health too i think one of the things you said earlier was we don't always necessarily have those really good sexual um sexual health conversations or sex talks with parents teachers providers caregivers anybody that's really supposed to look out for us as we're growing up and Mm -hmm. sometimes when i'm in sex therapy with clients well not all not sometimes every single time when i'm assessing for a new person i ask about biology and genetics and heredity because 30% of sexual health can be diagnosed and be attributed to some sort of genetic component or factor. And not a lot of people know that. The 70% is mental health related. And so when people are like, I don't know if my parent had uh, erectile functioning issues or anything like that, or I don't know if, you know, there was a thyroid that was off with my parents and then they have lower libido because maybe they have depression, right? Like those are different types of questions that, you know, as kiddos and children, and also as parents that could be really helpful with conversations when it comes to someone feeling like they don't have the tools in their toolbox or that something is potentially wrong with them when it comes to their sexual health. And it's like, nothing's wrong, but we just need to understand a little bit more. Like, I really want to get down to the nitty gritty when I'm treating these symptoms, because Mm -hmm. if it's okay, it's that 30%, great, there could be a medication out there for that. And some people are like, yes, that's just what I need. Good, glad I met with you. Bye. (laughs) Other people are like, no, there's more work. Like, yes, there may be a medication and there may also be some therapeutic things that we need to work on, be it anxiety, as well as tracking medications and how are your anxiety medications working? And then how is this, you know, spilling over into your relationships, your love life, your solo Mm -hmm. sexual self-care, your own sexual self-care, masturbation, sex waste, pleasure, all these different kinds of things, right? Um, So those might be some signs. And of course, underneath that shame, because a lot of times I get like the above service, like answers of, oh, I'm not having enough sex with my partner or, Mm -hmm. oh, my sexual libido is higher or lower than my partner or, oh, like I'm comparing other people at my age and they're having sex all the time in their marriage when really there's something underneath that. And a lot of times I see it, sex, shame, and self need to be worked on. It's a triangle. You can't have one without the other. So those are some of the causes or potential pieces of it. When you do strive for that, what, what are, what is the goal? What, what do you, basically what I'm trying to ask in my stuttering is what becomes available to you when you work on this and you start to feel like you're reaching more of like that level of confidence in your sexuality? Mm-hmm. I feel like there's so many components that heighten then. We were talking mm-hmm. about friends before we started all this, right? <laughs> yes. And use that as an example. There's an episode where Rachel doesn't want to take herself out on a date because she feels awkward or uncomfortable or feels like maybe someone will be judging her if she's this woman out there on her own. And you know what? When we have those intimacy moments with ourselves where it's like, I can be out in public, be by myself, take myself out on a date, or I can do things that I really enjoy and find really pleasurable, like your own intimacy with self is going to raise then like pleasure as well like can you take time and pleasure and be able to like go for a walk can you do something like eating you know really citrusy fruit or like strawberry and find pleasure in that right can you then also explore a little bit about like okay if i want to be able to take myself on a date 
increase that intimacy and or pleasure, then what does solo uh, sexual self-care look like that is more so sex? For some people, that's reading like different kinds of erotica, that's watching ethical porn, that's doing some things with masturbation, maybe trying some different types of toys, or maybe slowly integrating that and getting slow steps with early exposure versus mm -hmm. like, here are all these sex toys, you figure it out. That's right. not necessarily right. always going to work. But there can be a lot of different types of tools that can be used when it comes to sexual self-care. And I think with confidence is taking those small steps a little bit. A lot of times in therapy, um, people will use an exposure hierarchy to help like work up a ladder a little bit, which is basically taking one step at a time and self-soothing any worries or anxiety or stressors that might be with that. With mm -hmm. sex therapy, that's the same. Like I'm not going to have a client go masturbate if you've never done it before right. and start at the top here versus like, well, can we just work with pleasure first? Mm -hmm. Like, can we work with intimacy first? And then when we learn these things and we build those steps, that's going to help build the confidence. And then when we build that confidence, like I create pleasure playbooks with clients and I say, you know, you need a journal <laughs> for yeah. therapy with me. We're going to be doing some self-reflectionary work and questions on that. And when you explore your body's turn-ons and offs and, you know, show up in all these different areas of intimacy, pleasure, sex, and you do this for yourself, you're going to be able to take notes, take note of that, jot it down, and then communicate it better to a partner in the future. Yeah. And so I think sexual confidence, confidence with sexuality is, I think confidence, A, is something that we have to work on every single day. I don't believe it's like a mm -hmm. one and done thing. And I think that's the same with healing. Like we have to work on things every single day to have help heal and make ourselves feel good and like, you know, start the day off right or finish the day off right or continue the day off right, whatever right looks like for you. And so when people are sexually confident, you know, I think sometimes it may be like, oh, you know, I deserve spending money on this sexy outfit here mm -hmm. and I'm going to go and wear it out in public and see how many like head turns I get. Or I'm going to go and, you know, dye my hair some fun colors and whatever and do the damn thing and just yeah. really and really just like step into my power because this is how I want to look or dress appearance wise. Confidence can also be like IDGAF. I'm wearing my sweatpants, no makeup, hair up in a bun, and I'm doing the damn thing today. Yes. I'm just going to hold my head up high. And so when that translates to sexual confidence, um, it's about that outer confidence, you know, what we may show to that outer world too, but making sure inside we're working on that every day. And when mm -hmm. partners, spouses, or a partner, or anybody else, even friends, when they see that, that's the number one trait that we are attracted to in people is confidence. Like we want mm -hmm. that confidence. We want that person to show up and to feel really good about themselves because that energy that person is putting out, people pick up on it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's huge. And so when it comes to sexual confidence, it could be like, oh, I never initiated sex before Jackie. And now I'm doing it like twice mm -hmm. a week. That's confidence, right? Oh, I never like said hello to my vulva. And I looked at myself in the mirror naked today. And I'm doing that like I'm mm -hmm. building these skills. Like, oh, I did some body mapping with my pleasure points. And I used a feather, you know, a, a wand and just even my hand. And I explored like what different types of touch and sensations have been. I've never been able to do that. Like I'm doing that. Like there's a lot of those different steps. It's a yeah. long-winded <laughs> answering that question, but I don't think it's just one thing, which is it's kind not. of it's it's interesting because I think and I've been reading I think it's a Sherry Winston book I wish I had it somewhere upstairs if you haven't read it before it's um I think it's the is it Women's Anatomy of Pleasure or something like oh, that yeah 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 Amazing. I was rereading it and like I love all the quotes in there too so I was trying to like collect as much of those quotes as I could because they're so funny and so great and she talks so much about how 
um, your sexual confidence and like your sexual energy is like is the root of of humanity in a lot of ways because what it is is your pleasure like it is your ability to embrace and intake pleasure and that spills over into every asset of your life that spills over into like going to take a walk and like feeling the breeze and like really embracing that feeling like that is pleasure and it's all connected and so I think like like the true boiled down answer feels like it's like your sexual confidence and what that does to the rest of of your life is it like it like enhances all of it because once you get that down everything else i think you give yourself access to pleasure in every other way when you like really can like you're giving yourself permission to feel it in such an uninhibited way you know mm -hmm. so and that's why it's so important to like have these conversations in ways where like we're on social media or we're doing this podcast and talking about it so that it doesn't feel so trivialized. And it's not like we're talking about confidence for the sake of like, I don't know, fucking in the gym shower. Like that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> it's, <Right. laughs> it's so much more. I also think that you would get kicked out of your gym if you did that. And I'm pretty sure that's legal. So we're not going to do that. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. um, but it's so much more than that because it really is the confidence that you have with yourself and the confidence that you have and carry with you everywhere else that makes you this sort of like magnetic person. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, like even when you're talking about confidence and you're talking about roots, like it makes me think of, you know, yes, it's that stability, it's that security, it's that neededness and groundedness in ourselves. And if we are ungrounded, then that may also be a sign of like, I don't even know what I need right now, but I need help or I need something where mm -hmm. I need a mentor or a coach or an educator or a therapist or a, a consultant or someone to guide me through this and really take me along step by step and be here with me along the way. And then it's like, when I feel confident enough to say, I don't need this person anymore, then it's like, you take the training wheels off and then you go and you ride that bike. And right. then when you said root, it also made me think of masturbation and David Lay, who's wonderful um, mm -hmm. in the sex therapy world and everything like that. I uh, was able to do one of his trainings and, and one of the things he's just like statistic master out yes. there and I love it. Yes. <laughs> and he said in one of his uh, trainings was, you know, people are more confident on a day that people speak. They're more confident if they masturbate before. And I think it's that potentially, like, I don't know what the research is out there in regards of just masturbating and confidence. Like if you do it every single day or so many days in a week or a month or whatever, if you feel more confident or not, but that could potentially be something where people can track that as well. Like, do mm -hmm. I feel more confident on those days that I'm really in tune with my body and I'm masturbating? Or do I feel more confident on those days when I take the time to practice, you know, pleasure and I go get that, you know, latte from my favorite store or I go and take myself out on a date to a bookstore and I just get to like read. How does that make me feel? And is my confidence scale then going on the chart or off the chart? Because then I'm pouring that time and energy into me. And then when I have my cup filled, can I then pour that into other people's and relationships too? It's kind, yeah. it's kind of like that self-care with sexuality as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's so interesting that they all ladder into one another. And I get a lot of messages of where people are asking me, it's so funny, like 90% of the time when someone when someone DMs me and I try to offer them, I can't give them like, it, like very much advice. I don't feel comfortable doing that. I'm not like fully certified yet. And I'm not gonna go down that whole route. But mm -hmm. the one advice that I give people most of the time is to find ways to embrace self touch. 
whether that's actually masturbating or it's just like cupping your vulva or whatever whatever genitals that you have spending time with yourself ends up being my answer so often because it makes the a world of difference you feel more grounded you feel more confident i totally totally believe that if you masturbate every day for a week every single day that week you'll feel more and more confident every day and why shouldn't you you woke up and gave yourself like the best self-love you possibly could and then you walk through that whole day thinking that you're the shit. why yeah. wouldn't you yeah and then you get all the dopamine and happy chemicals in the brain going and flooded so it's yes. like that's another way like masturbation is a medicine healer sex is a medicine healer it's a natural healer and not a lot of people know that either and so yeah that definitely makes sense when hearing you say it back to me now it's like yeah, Duh. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yes absolutely. and that's one of the things that's so tough with like with the way that like this whole shame spiral ends up working mm -hmm. out because it's not only like considered especially in in some religious like sort of circles it's not only considered to be shameful to have sex with another partner before you're married or whatever but it can also be shameful to like experience any self-touch at all and that's so tough because then you're sort of like shrouding yourself in this in this thought that like anything sex related or anything in the genital area is like dirty or wrong or um, inappropriate. And that's just not true. It's, it's not inappropriate to know. How, it's actually very appropriate to know how your body works mm -hmm. and very appropriate to be the, the, the one person who is kind of like the, the, like you should know how your own body works best. You yeah. should be the You're authority. The master of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And you can't be expected to be the master of it if you have not really given yourself an opportunity to explore and to play. Mm -hmm. No, not at all. Absolutely. It's like, you need to know your body first before anybody else does. And I think yeah. that's so valid and so true. And then the shame part that gets really tricky in that dialect is like, depending on earlier, you know, you mentioned something about like, you know, parents, you know, maybe not having conversations about sex. And it's like, mm -hmm. I would approach my parents and ask them questions like, why don't you two have sex anymore? And yeah. my mom would say, Oh, that's really personal. And my dad would say, you know, when the juices stop flowing, like, <laughs> or when your mom doesn't want to get creative, the juices stop flowing. Right. And so there's like, even some embarrassment and maybe guilt and shame, because those are all different, like feelings and states of mind in the body that can be present all at one time or throughout, you know, different times, whatever. And I think it's important to be able to have those conversations with parents and caregivers. And so when my mom said, you know, isn't that a personal question? I'm like, yes. And do you want me to ask this person that's walking down the street? Like, right. sex? like who are the people that I'm supposed to be able to go to? And then when I had gone through my sex therapy training certificate, I asked questions along lines of like, what does that mean if somebody is like giggling about sex or they're embarrassed or, you know, um, they, they can't, or they won't really know how to have these conversations. And that's just another key indicator that there's probably work that they have to do. And then that, that shame is there because shame doesn't have to just be, you know, maybe these really horrid experiences that we mm -hmm. hear and we talk about, right. But it can also be like, the top that mask of like feeling embarrassment and then feeling guilt but then underneath that it's much different it's yeah. feeling shame because then there's something that this person doesn't actually know and they think that they're bad for not knowing or like i'm a bad parent because i didn't know these things and i wasn't able to communicate them to you or i never got this from my parents so then that family generational pattern continues and that's essentially where like cycles and patterns need to break and change too mm -hmm. and so i think it's just interesting because it feels like a lot of times people want to work on 
sex confidence. And we have so many wonderful therapists and coaches and everything out there in this world. And I love that this field is something that people are really looking for right now at this time. Mm -hmm. And I think when we talk about confidence, we think of it as a just solution kind of thing. But I think we have to take it back and work through those narratives too. And really extract and and it's kind of like a ball of yarn that's all twisted and knotted and we got to like untangle and unpack it Mm -hmm. a little bit and then like see where the path ahead is going to be right right have your like conversations about you know you don't have to give me any details obviously but have your conversations about sex and sexuality changed with your parents since you started your journey and in this whole space Oh my gosh, totally. So I told one cousin in my family what I wanted to be when I grew up and when I was like done with my master's program. And I was fucking scared. I'm not going to lie. Of telling my parents because I was like, how are they going to take it? Am I going to get the third degree? Are they going to grill me? You know, just me thinking of all these worst case scenarios, right? I'm, I'm a person too. I do that. And I actually wrote them a letter and gave them a book called Sex at Dawn. And it talks about the anthropology of mating and how we are are also like animals and how humans like Ooh. that alignment and how it all ties in. It's really interesting. I'm going to put it in my Amazon cart right now. Yeah. Sex at Dawn. I'm Sex literally dawn. doing. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay. Um, but I gave them that book and I wrote them a letter of like to the, towards the night before Christmas and I had it all rhyme. It was really creative and it was just kind of like my fun way to tell them at Christmas, like this is my reveal. And I had done that um, before we had gone to our extended family's house. So we were like, this is the last present. Da, 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 uh, someone can get up and leave <laughs> and I could like run away in case like you know they were worried or nervous or anything and I think my brother was taping it on video and my mom her- heard the word she was reading it out loud and she um read it and the word stimulation came up and she was like oh my god she's gonna be a sex therapist <laughs> and like shouted it and she was like happy and my dad was like no she's not and he's like unwrapping the book yeah and then my mom was like yes she is and they look and my dad's like what do you think of that or my brother's like what do you think of that dad and he's like well what's wrong with that like that's cool like good for that's her great. So I got the opposite reaction and I yeah. think sometimes even when kiddos want to go to their parents about sex or questions we think it's going to be that worst case scenario and it's maybe that reality situation versus like the best and and I think I got the best case scenario with that because conversations have changed we talk about gender we talk about inclusive language quite a bit and not assuming anything based off of gender appearance or expression or anything like that and it's really opened up a lot of conversations about yeah, sex, sexuality, gender, all the different things. And my mom, when I was undergrad, um, in undergrad, when I was interning with folks that had sex offenses against them, she had really asked me, you know, are you afraid? And I was like, mm-hmm. no, like I'm safe. Like it's, I've literally meet with folks in a government building. There's another therapist there. The parole and the probation officers are there. Like couldn't be safer in doing work in that kind of piece of it. She was like, oh, okay. And I was like, no, mom, like what you learn from people's stories and like how they are and how there's a lot of things like within their family, generational patterns, things that had come up, you know, when you hear that, you you can see things from a different light then and you understand mm-hmm. some things about it with what's come up with their story and how, again, like family generational patterns have to be broken and stopped. So there's been a lot of conversations to answer your yeah. question. Um, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I'm sure. And like, even on my end, the way that my whole situation happened was a little strange because I was living in LA. I was an assistant to a sex coach. Mm-hmm. And that was like, I think my, my immediate family knew and I was so far from home. So like my extended family didn't really, didn't really know. Yeah. And then 
I moved home and like four or five months after that, the show came out and it's just me going vagina, vagina, vagina yeah. <laughs> yep. on, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget, I got this this video from one of my cousins and his wife had filmed it of him watching the intro and he was cracking up but he was like what is going on because mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that people just like I didn't really have an opportunity to explain how much of a part of my life this had gotten to be and so it just came out of nowhere but I was even like my grandmother my nonna who's 85 she grew up on a farm in Italy like she did not talk any like there was no conversations of sex at all to hear her talk about it and be like proud and excited that this is what I'm pursuing now it's really interesting and like obviously there's a level of privilege there not everybody's families are going to be like that but it is cool to be part of families that you like would totally expect the opposite reaction from and to have them embrace it anyway. It's, it's really like special. And I think it helps a lot when we're, when we're dealing with our own moments of like still battling with those moments of shame. Like I remember when the, the intro came out for the show and I saw it for the first time and it was me saying vagina, vagina, vagina. And I was like, that's so frustrating because I took as many opportunities as I could to talk about, what I loved about my job and how it was like helping helping women heal from trauma and giving women the tools to like take back their sexuality and all these things. And it was like boiled down to this sort of like, it felt trivial. Mm, yeah. But I had to like really check myself and be like, at first I was like, I don't want to be the vagina girl. Now I'm the vagina girl. And now I'm like, fuck yes, I'm the vagina girl. <laughs> That's exactly who I am. But yeah. it's so funny because like, even after all of that and all of like the the work that that I I had done on myself it was funny to still have a moment where like I felt shame in in all of that even mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. it's totally. an ongoing, ongoing process yeah it's not something where it's like one and done and sometimes like we know what those shame triggers are and sometimes they're they're overt and they're covert like we mm-hmm. can see them and sometimes we're like no I don't even realize that this was here so yeah it's like how do I work on that and with a lot of things it's like when we step in something new be it sex be it self be it anything right like that can be something where maybe an imposter syndrome is coming up, but it's really like, no, I know who the fuck I am and I'm doing the damn right. thing. I've been doing this for years, but like, why are you coming up here, bitch? Like, what's happening? Like, I don't want it. Yeah. Like GTFO or let me invite you in and let me work with you. And exactly. Like, together. Yeah. And for me too, like I help therapists go into their own private practices and businesses and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so even when I had been like, I have a Volvo puppet pillow and whatever. And even when I post that, and I like put it between my legs because I was like, this is going to be a funny one that I can use for content later. Yeah, marketing. Yeah. And when I put, you know, the word fuck on my website or whatever, I was talking to um, a buddy of mine and I, they were like, you know, you have the word asshole on your website, but you're worried about putting like this photo of you and like the word fuck on your website. What's up with that? And I was like, well, there's even this dynamic of therapists being shamed for us being who we are first versus like telling people what we do and how we treat different symptoms or things or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. like, Clients, yes, like unless you're a therapist looking for a specific like sex therapist or EMDR or some sort of trauma or some sort of specific modality, clients majority of the time do not give a fuck. They want that connection with you mm-hmm. more than anything else. And I think that's kind of similar to maybe what you experienced, you know, on the circle potentially like people just want to feel that connection to you and to that story. And like you said, your did you say brother-in-law who's watching it? 
It was my cousin and his wife. (laughs) Yeah, they're cracking up because they feel connected to that. And your grandma felt connected to that. And it's just the same, like your family is so proud of you too. It's, you know what? Sexuality is the like most shared human experience. Obviously there are people who are asexual, but they still had to determine that for themselves. And that still is a part of their identity and and it's Mm -hmm. still part of their human experience. It's like the great equalizer is that conversation about sex, which is why it's so funny that, that there are so many like systems in place to make us feel sort of othered in that space. Because like in reality, it's like the one thing that we all can sort of have a conversation about whether we're having it or we're not having it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it says a lot to like about that person or about their experience of like whether or not they are having it or aren't having it. And then it's mm-hmm. for them to decide like, do I want to work on this moving forward? Because you're right. It's the most, it's a part of our human nature ultimately. And like, it's one of the things where I think it's just so important to just continue these conversations about sex and shame and to just continue about like solo sexual self-care and sexual self-care. And even for folks that are ace, right? Like mm-hmm. that might still look different. There still may be some things that they find pleasurable and intimate with themselves with and there might be sexual things that from time to time again they may find enjoyableness out of or is important to their self mm-hmm. and I think that ranges and changes too and I think it's really cool how sexuality is also fluid so we don't always have to be so you know put so much pressure on ourselves for that because it can change from when you're 20 to 50 to 70 to like any age in life mm-hmm. yeah it ebbs and flows forever and ever mm-hmm. um, so if someone is going to take on and this is obviously, it's going to be very different person to person. If you're going to start to unravel and pick at, you know, this giant iceberg of shame and move towards, maybe your goal is to be more neutral. And then later it's to be in this level of confidence. What would you recommend for somebody who's like just starting this whole journey? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm biased. So therapy. Um, yes. <laughs> I know. I- I agree, though. Therapy is the best thing in the entire world. And if, if you have the means to have a therapist, oh, my God, have one and get a sex therapist. I promise you it's the best. Yes, <laughs> literally. It's the best. That's number one, because I think sometimes we just need to be listened to, validated mm-hmm. and heard. And we need someone to also be there who's a safe person to, to be able to say, like, I'm so sorry that that happened in your childhood. That's not mm-hmm. OK. Or, wow, are you serious? That message came up like that's wild. Like that's even making me feel sad right now. And Mm -hmm. I I know that I wasn't there with you during that time. And I still feel like this was really something that you struggle with to this day. Mm -hmm. And so like, obviously therapy can be that first step to like really working through shame. Of course, that's number Mm -hmm. one. Um, Second, I really love for clients to be able to look into shame. I really love Brene Brown's work. Like she's Mm -hmm. the MVP of shame in my book. Like she is my jam. Um, And I will use her work as a therapist too in my practice. Like just Mm -hmm. even the TED talk of the power of vulnerability. It's like 11 years old now. I still use it to this day because there's so much rich information there. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of her, like it wasn't just me. I love that book. I'm reading it too on Audible um, or listening to it because I'm an auditory learner and that's when it sticks more. (laughs) But (laughs) essentially like being able to focus in on some of those shame books and works through um, Brene Brown. 
Another person that I really like too, because like how I do it with building confidence, I work backwards with shame. So if people tell me no, like I really don't have any type of shameful messages about sex or anything like that or whatever, I really just want to be more confident in my body and understand. And I don't meet medical criteria for like sex therapy. That's sex coaching then. Okay. It's like, all right, we're pleasure mapping. We're focusing on masturbation. We're focusing on sex sneaks. We're focusing on your, your pleasure playbook and doing some different things coaching wise, right. And getting things done. And it's Mm -hmm. a shorter um, time at that point. But again, if there's something where there is that medical necessity piece for any like sexual health or mental health um, diagnoses, disorders, things that might be getting in the way of living your best sex life, then I think there's also breaking down that shame, but practicing self-compassion. Kristen Neff is fucking awesome. Like Mm -hmm. I was able to attend her CEUs during my grad school program and got to meet her, which was really cool. And my very cool. Yeah. And this was a fangirl. Oh my God. Fucking totally. (laughs) I'm like, did that really happen? Like looking back at it, you know, but my professors at that time, you know, they knew that I, I had to really work on my own stuff with shame. Like, oh, we, I, I don't do emotions. We don't do feelings. I don't like being vulnerable. So a lot of things that they were telling me during my program was like what I got out of a lot of this work too. And so I incorporate mm-hmm. a lot of this, but self-compassion skills and the self-compassion workbook by Kristen Neff. I love it. I think in order to build self-confidence, we have to work on self-compassion first, which is mm-hmm. that more neutral standpoint of, you know, um, not being unrealistic and being like, yes, I'm going to meet with Jackie and now we're going to work on confidence. I'm going to have it in one session. No. (laughs) Right, right. Work on being kinder to ourselves first and treat ourselves as if you would treat a friend and work on some of those self-compassion skills to then build up that self-esteem and self-confidence. And I think sometimes too, um, when it comes to building up the other components in the work of the self, I love Louise Hayes' Deservability. I love her Love Yourself, Heal Your Life workbook. It's amazing because it not only talks about sexuality, it breaks it down to you know what do you deserve in life she incorporates a lot of mirror work which I like because being able to look yourself in the eye in the mirror and be able Mm -hmm. to say something's back is really good to just be able to honor your voice and step into your power Mm -hmm. and it's also really good exposure therapy if you have to practice or in conversations that you might be nervous about like practice how you play practice how you want to show up with that person practice how you want to show up with your boss practice how you want to show up with your partner practice how you want to show up with your spouse or your friends or whatever that Mm -hmm. might be and in her deservability workbook I like it because it talks about sex relationships money love spirituality it breaks down all these different things like not only what were you taught and what do you believe because those are two different things right so it helps balance out that process of it and then i like to really get into a lot of assertiveness training people looking into different types of assertiveness skills like knowing too like what is your communication style with with assertiveness are you passive are you passive aggressive minnesotans here we are very passive aggressive (laughs) in this state um and other parts of the country, you know, it's much different. There's non-assertive and there is assertive. And so I think that's even an important part too, because when you work on setting boundaries, you have to work on being assertive mm-hmm. and learning the different styles of communication, I think is important first. So there's a lot of education and work that people can do to take it step by step. And I don't think it's easy because then when we get to the sex part of it, we have to pay attention to, am I self-sabotaging my sexual pleasure at all for mm-hmm. my partner? Or am I self-sabotaging any boundaries for other people? Is my response, be it if I have trauma or complex trauma, is it that fond of I want to people please and pander and then essentially say, okay, I'll just give in to them because that's easier than fighting right. this battle. And really like, right. you know, it's like balancing out how do you speak from your heart and those boundaries and what your truth is and like, you know, 
who can you be firm with, who can you be flexible with, and what mm-hmm. really needs to be that stability in the middle. And so I think there's a lot of components there then <laughs> translates to like, you know, what are my sexual values? What are the things that I want in my sex life? What are the things that I want that are different? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of good just self-reflectionary questions that are really good to be able to explore with that, with sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, that can be with a therapist, it can be with a coach, it can be with an educator, depending on the services that everyone does, right? Mm -hmm. And I would say that, you know, Come As You Are by Emily Nagotsky, great books, right? And great resources, the workbook too. Yeah. I literally have the right behind me. They're (laughs) well-loved copies of both. Yeah, I think those are great tools and great resources. And I know that there's a lot of different people that have different workbooks and have different things too. And I think sometimes um, it can be hard to do that work alone. So yes, you can absolutely fucking do it if you're like really adamant, like, no, I just want to do the work and I want to move forward, go for it. But honestly, like having that mentor, that person that can also be there for you and like walk in this journey and steps with you, because that's it's a lot of different shit I just went through when it comes to like different right. <laughs> right. It's like like as I'm listening to each of these these like steps through the whole process, mm-hmm. I can just imagine like you can like you said, you can do it on your own, but just having someone hold your hand and be supportive of you through all of that, because you really don't know what's gonna come up along the way. And that's like one of the things that's so interesting about being in therapy for like any extended period of time. One of the more interesting parts of like, like I've been in therapy on and off since like junior year of high school. Mm -hmm. And only recently did I start to have weekly appointments. And what's so interesting about that is when I was doing appointments that were kind of like every month or like when I felt like I needed it, you talk about the issue, you resolve it, and then you go about your day through these weeklies. Uh, it's crazy because I like tomorrow I have therapy tomorrow morning and I'm like, I don't really know what I'm going to talk about right now, but I know she's going to ask me something <laughs> that she noted down weeks and weeks ago. And we're going to resolve something that was way deeper that I wasn't expecting to open up, but I have the emotional space right now. So we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And Similarly, in this process where you if you're deciding to take the initiative and unravel all of this, those moments are going to happen where you're going to think you had nothing to resolve. You're going to think that this is going to be okay, cool. I could do this exercise. It's going to be fine. And you might come up with these these feelings and these realizations about things that maybe have happened in your past or something you internalized, you didn't realize those sort of things. And then you're going to have to sort of like work through each one. It's so interesting. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And then some days when it's like, you don't know what you're going to talk about. And then sometimes those are like the best sessions ever because then 100%. you go back. 100%. Yes. yes. And it's a so A lot different. of the times, a yeah. lot of the times, the best sessions I have are ones where I went, I picked up the phone and like, was not sure what we were going to talk about. And then mm-hmm. we get to those like really sort of deep rooted things that she's like, I'm just noticing that you had said this, this, and this about this family member. Do you want to talk about that? Mm-hmm. And then you like unravel this like huge Pandora's box and then you're, you get the you get the freedom of being able to resolve it. And you get to be able to do that work, you know, parallel and processing through that with another mm-hmm. person who knows. And it's like, thank gosh, somebody knows. And that's like a true gift of therapy because you don't have to, you know, talk to 
family members or friends or loved ones about whatever is going on or like having to put someone else in that triangle situation or something Mm -hmm. in the middle. And it's really nice to be able to have space for those things. And I think it's interesting because when you talk about the monthly versus like weekly and stuff, yeah, like that's something that I see too. It's like the monthly is like, we're skimming, we're above surface, Mm -hmm. like it's an admin, it's a business meeting, we're just checking in. (laughs) Versus when we go weekly, like we're diving deeper a little bit. And like the deeper we go in the water, it's kind of like the closer and closer we get to that like surface level floor, which is where that core issue is in the center of it all. And I think it's kind of like when we go to that darker, deeper space, we open up more things and then we understand more things about ourselves that maybe we didn't know before. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, if we do that with workbooks and everything like that, great resources and tools, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes that can be a lot of work that one person is doing yeah. on themselves for themselves. And I don't think anybody, you know, should do it by themselves if they're like, I really want to do this, but maybe I need accountability or maybe I just need a person out there that can really help me take some steps and do the damn thing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's tough because like, there's definitely a sector of people that will not like we'll have a very hard time finding affordable and like reasonable, sustainable ways to be in therapy. But I would just encourage those people to like check in with any anything that they can, like with the state that they live in or any sort of benefits that they possibly can. There are therapists who work on a sliding scale too, based on like what you can afford and any way that you can get some extra support, especially when you're doing this kind of work is so important. So recognizing that not everybody is going to have this super accessible to them, but um, it's worth digging a little bit to see what you can make work for you because it, it spills into like all of these other areas of your life, like we had said before. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And last year I read something, it was 1.6 billion people were on wait lists for therapy. Mm-hmm. And so if anybody is listening into this, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. this might be a sign to be like, hey, let me get on that wait list or hey, let me like look into some free government programs. Absolutely. That's why there's different types of therapists that are working, you know, for different nonprofits, because there's that grants that's coming through where they can provide that free counseling mm-hmm. as a resource. And that's just, again, another sign to say like, hey, there might be a wait list. Like those do like fill up very, very fast. So it's kind of nice to be able to have that time to be like, okay, we'll see if I have some time before even meeting with someone, if I'm feeling nervous to start therapy, like maybe I can do some things now to, to work on myself. So in that way, when I show up for therapy or when I'm ready to go mm-hmm. and I'm on that list, I'm showing up and I'm taking the steps like step-by-step step, and I'm going to make sure that I'm a priority with it. And yeah. Right. Yeah. There's sliding scale resources. There's people that, you know, if they want to have that more autonomy over their care, they can use out of network benefits. They can use HSA, FSA, like me, I create a fuck it budget. <laughs> that's what I do. Love it. In the meantime, I think while, while people can figure out what works best for them therapy wise, those workbooks, I'll put them, we could put them in the description of this podcast. So if people want to check them out, they can. And it's a good way to get that started. So like you said, if and when you do have the opportunity to speak with a therapist, you've already started the work and you already know you have like a good jumping off point to go from, which is really important and really exciting. And I'm excited for people who want to work on this kind of thing because many people go through their whole lives and just accept like their sexuality as it is. And they're like, oh, I've, I think it's something like 10% of women have had a vaginal orgasm. 
or like consistently mm-hmm. have vaginal orgasms. And like, that's not going to be achievable for every single person with a vulva or vagina, but for the people who want to access more and like just want more out of their sexuality, there's a million ways to access that. And the first step of that is really building up that confidence, reducing the shame as much as you can. So you give yourself the license to explore and the license to play. It's just so exciting. Mm-hmm. Then you have all of this, these, these amazing things that you can try and experience. Mm-hmm. And why wouldn't you want that? Mm-hmm. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's totally valid and true. It's like that, that low percentage is not going to be everybody and that's okay. And mm-hmm. that high percentage of how people have orgasms may not be you and that be, may be okay too. It's just about figuring out like what's pleasurable for you and your body. And the part that you said about excitement, it's like, at least me, when I like do my journaling or get excited about things that I'm doing, mm-hmm. you know, my partner, he's a therapist and I can't always be like, babe, guess what? I'm doing this, but I have right. other outlets to be able to do that. And some people may also be like, you know, this is something where they want to be able to then share that experience consistently in therapy Mm -hmm. of like, okay, I did this workbook and I found out this about myself or this brought up this memory and I want to process this a little bit more and talk Mm -hmm. to somebody. And sometimes therapy is also those really like, like, I love it when I get to be able to have those clients that are coming in and being like, I want to process and like dive deep and like really slow down in session. Because I think we're in such a busy like society where we are, where we live with our US culture, we're always go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. And I like it when we can just be in slow mode for a minute. If I get them mm-hmm. for that 50 minute session or that 80 minute session, if they need longer, sometimes it's like giving yourself that time put yourself on your to-do list, on your calendar and give yourself that space. And it's like prioritizing you to then prioritize your, your sexy, confident, shameless Mm -hmm. self. And like, there's no better gift than that, honestly. I agree. I agree. And even like taking the step of deciding that you want to work on this. And if you're kind of in the stage of exploring what, what you want to do and you get these workbooks, you deciding and taking the initiative of like, I'm going to work on this. I am worth it. And this is a priority. Like you're making yourself a priority and that's a huge deal and something to be really proud of. Most people won't do that. And that's Mm -hmm. wonderful. Wonderful. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's huge too. And it's, I think that can go to your point with that, you know, maybe because if there's someone in your family that hasn't shown or gone to therapy or most people in my family don't go to therapy, we don't do that, but I'm Mm -hmm. interested in it. That doesn't mean you can't go to therapy. And that's a big aspect of it too. Right. Yeah. Taking those big steps of it is just huge. Being able to say, I'm ready, I'm willing, I'm wanting this and I'm going to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know I mentioned there's a lot of different um, like workbooks, things like that, like out there resources. I'm in the process of writing a resource for people that want to be able to have it. It's going to be a um, sex, like a sexual self-care reflection journal where it's more so journal prompts. It's not going to be um, super clinically language where it's like, what the fuck, Jackie, this is a whole different, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what are you saying in this here? But that's something I'm going to be writing up and exploring a little bit more. So if any anybody's interested in that, they can definitely hop on my newsletter for when that's going to be coming out. It's going to be, it's based off my sexual self-care Oracle card decks where it got, dives deep in a little bit more with, I think I've got like 78 cards in that deck. I don't know, but like different types 
of sexual self-care activities that one can do and really kind of a dive deep of exploring, you know, those different things with that different card and different things that might come up for them. So that's just one thing that I would just kind of offer out there if anyone's curious about that or wanting more information in the future hop on the newsletter, shamelesstherapy.org. Not know, don't know when I will be um, having that as an actual tangible published thing, but we're figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, and if you're on the newsletter, you'll be the first to know. Exactly. Yes. That's where you and, get the news. <laughs> and, exactly. And everyone should follow Jackie on Instagram. You're sex therapist Jackie, right? Yep. That is me. At yep. sex therapist Jackie. She makes very cute reels. They crack me up. Like <laughs> the ones where like, where like, it's so funny because when you're when you follow all of these types of accounts on Instagram, I'll be like at the DMV and I open it up and there's just like, do you want to get better at fucking? And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> not that that's necessarily yeah. yours, but like it's so funny right. and yours are so cute. I love it. And I like when you have us occasionally vote on what colors we want your hair to be for those who are listening to the podcast and don't the see nails. The, the nails, the hair. Jackie's very mm -hmm. colorful and I love it. It's so, so cute. Well, thank you. Yeah, definitely check out my Instagram at sex therapist Jackie. Yeah, I got to get my nails done this week. So I need your votes. You got to yes. check out my stories later <laughs> this week. Because <laughs> they, they are cracking. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate all of your advice. Like this has been so helpful and so much like incredible information. I know everyone's going to be really excited to have it. So I appreciate your time so, so much. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. And it has been a pleasure. I'm so happy that I got to be here and everyone out there stay shameless. Hell yeah. I love it. <laughs>Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I loved it. I hope you loved it. And if you would like to be included in a future episode, you can send your questions about anything related to sex, relationships, plain old life, life stuff. You can send those questions to Alyssa explains it all pod at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Questions can be anonymous if you'd like, but if you'd like a little shout out, that's also fine. I'd love to have you all included. So send us an email. I will also put that email address in the bio of my Instagram. So send those questions away. Can't wait. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.